listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with an array of thinkers from faith leaders to academics to artists to explore deep questions of meaning, questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honoured to welcome to our show Sarah Koplik, the Director of Hillel at UNM. Sarah, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Rabbi Neil. It's great to have you here. So let's start with, for those who don't know, what is Hillel and, and what does it do at UNM? So Hillel is a Jewish student center, and it's kind of like the Newman Center for Catholic students. It's a place where college students can gather and um, celebrate Jewish holidays and, uh, and meet each other and attend weekly services. And it also provides a support system for um, Jewish students on campus. But we're part of a larger movement of where there are Hillel's at, I think, 19 countries around the world in Latin America, uh, Europe, former Soviet Union, and just a tiny bit in Africa. Um, and, and so, yeah, so that's what we do. And um, I've been in this role for, this is my 14th year, and we serve uh, students at the University of New Mexico as well as young people in their early to mid-20s uh, throughout the city of Albuquerque. Wow. And yes, there's Hillel in, in the UK. I knew it from my university days. Life for Jewish students has uh, become really difficult right now. And I know you wanted to, to talk about anti-Semitism that students are experiencing. And I want to start this conversation, I guess, with, I'm, I'm going to be deliberately vague. I was talking to a group of people who um, are connected in some way with authority in New Mexico. I'm being deliberately vague. And I shared experiences <laughs> of anti-Semitism that I had mm -hmm. had and that our community had had. And at the end of my presentation, one of the individuals turned to me and said, I'm quite surprised I didn't know that anti-Semitism was still a thing. And so I, I'm, I'm sharing that at the beginning because I think it's really important that a lot of people really don't know that anti-Semitism still exists and how it manifests itself and experiences that Jews have of anti-Semitism. So I'm wondering if, let's start with you at, at university. Um, you know, when was the first time you experienced anti-Semitism in a university setting? So for me, it was, uh, it was my third, third or fourth day no, actually, it was it was earlier. It was I think it was my first day of university, so I arrived, um, and I had a roommate who was Egyptian, and I was very excited about this because I had gone to United World College in Las Vegas, New Mexico, in Montezuma, and I had lots of friends from Muslim friends from all over the Arab world and the Muslim world, and she took one look at me. And she declared that she didn't want a Jewish roommate, and she left. Wow. And I was just astonished. Um, and so, 
they gave her a single room and they gave me a single room and I just sort of just I remember reeling from that and but I I didn't want that to be just a negative experience so as a result of that I founded a little club and it was called the Jewish Muslim Friendship Club um and so uh, Jewish students at my university had one small room where they would meet um and the Muslim students had no room. There was no space for them to meet. So we put um, we put a large cloth on one on the wall that was you know east facing, southeast facing towards Mecca. So that way, um, Muslim students could also use the room to pray um, as they needed. And we had you know various social events. So that was the way that I kind of tried to take you know a really negative situation and turn it into a place for understanding and tolerance. I, I think it's an extraordinary story because, uh, I mean, uh, pretty much every Jew who I know has experienced anti-Semitism. Mine first experiences were way before I was at university, but my university experiences were quite shocking, actually. I had one individual, I was chatting up a very good-looking girl, and she came from the country in England, and long story short... She didn't understand when I said I was Jewish because she thought that Jews had horns. And wow. she was absolutely convinced. And I said to her, how could you possibly believe this? I said, you're at university. You're one of you know, the educational establishment. And she said, because I've never met a Jew before. So I was always told the Jews had horns. And, and we, had, wow. we had all of it. We had, I was watching a, a movie once. Um, they, we had a movie night in our, in our hall of residence. And I just wanted to see the opening scene of a movie because I knew the movie, I knew the scene, and it was a very powerful scene. Then I wanted to leave. And the friend who was running the movie night said, you're going to pay for it. And I said, I'm just here for one scene, and then I'm going to leave. They said, okay. And so as, I, as that scene finished, I was about to get up from my chair, and they came over to me and said, come on, Neil, don't be so Jewish. You need to pay. Ooh. And so it's, it's extraordinary to that. So many students, especially at university, get to experience so much anti-Semitism. But you had it not just at university, you had it at grad school as well, right? Oh, yes. I mean, I, um, I went to school in London, in grad school in London, actually, at the School of Oriental and African Studies. And um, again, it was the very beginning of the school year. I had just paid tuition. And there was this enormous de demonstration right in front of the main school building uh, with, I think, hundreds of students. And they were saying that the Holocaust didn't exist. Wow. And this was 30 years ago. This was in 1994, at the height of Oslo Accords, when things were going really well between Israelis and Palestinians. And yet the hatred towards Jews, the hatred towards Israel was just completely overwhelming and really shocking. And if I hadn't have already paid my tuition, I think I would have withdrawn from the university because of that experience. But this sounds like but this wasn't, a, was this a protest to deny the historicity of the Holocaust or was this something else where people said that? I can't remember now. Right. It, was, it was a general protest. And, but just the amount of animosity towards the Jewish experience in it, it was, it was just so shocking to me. That's something that just stuck out. And I remember because, you know, it was a school of Oriental and African, so mm. Asian and African students were there. Right. And 
I remember a lot of African students sitting on the steps and just saying, what is wrong with you? Um, how, what are you saying? How, how, can, how can these people even be saying this stuff? Wow. Um, yeah, and that was the beginning of my experience at SOAS, which later, of course, I learned has a history of, you know, anti-Semitism. But I didn't know that when I applied. And I guess there's a there's a profound difference between uh, personal one on one experiences of anti-Semitism and group anti-Semitic protests. I mean, I when I was a kid and when I was wearing my kippah, my skull cap or yarmulke, mm-hmm. whatever you call it, and I would have money thrown at me to see if I'd bend down and pick it up. That's that's an individual act of anti-Semitism. It's different, however, when there's an entire group. So what was your feeling when you saw, you know, there's, there's a difference. You were able to set up your Jewish Muslim friendship club as a result of this one-on-one anti-Semitism experience. And I have to mm-hmm. say kudos to you for getting an individual room from it as well. That was, that was really <laughs> smart. But, but there is, there's, there's definitely that, that one-on-one experience that we can work from. What was your feeling when there was a mob, when there was a protest, when there was a large number of people who were rallying against right. Judaism. How did that feel for you? Right. Then there's no agency. There's no way of working around it. Um, it's just, there it was. And, you know, as a young student, even though I had had all these positive experiences earlier and even I worked to change things, but at that moment, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel that I could make a difference in the way that I was able to, um, in my one-on-one, you know, more personal experience of anti-Semitism. I really appreciate you sharing that because I think we all recognize in the Jewish community that a lot has changed since October the 7th, since Hamas's appalling terror attack on Israel. Um, yes. How... You're, you're right there on the front line with the Jewish students at UNM. Before we take a break, how has the experience of Jewish students changed since October the 7th? You know, what was once pushed down has now just, is just pervasive, it's just pop, you know, just risen to the surface. Um, so we got to the point at, by November, it was almost every Jewish student at Hillel was disclosing an anti-Semitic incident mm. or an experience or something that they had witnessed. Um, and so that, that was just profoundly shocking. And, it, and it, it, it spanned from professors in the classroom to signs in the dormitory to protests, you know, in front of the library to being called, you know, a slur to being pushed to not, I mean, fortunately, we haven't had, you know, physical attacks, but um, just incident after incident after incident in many different areas, not just in one one part of the campus, but in many different experiences. So, you know, throughout their day, there was risk. There's risk involved for our students, which previously it just wasn't like that. Um, students before, they said, well, before October 11th, um, before October 7th, sorry, um, uh, anti-Semitism often came from a place of ignorance. But that shifted. And there's a real sense of 
of menacing and fear um, that 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 happened afterwards, and even even immediately afterwards, right. within a few days, like even before anything, you know, any Israeli incursion into Gaza, even before that, the hatred was just palpable and had risen quickly. It's fascinating because when you're saying it's going from that place of ignorance to that menacing, angry presence, you know, my experiences were almost all ignorance. You know, she didn't know that Jews didn't have horns and so on, but that I never felt threatened at any point like that, even when people were throwing money. It was, I mean, mm. at one point it was, they threw money into the elevator, the doors closed, and they never saw. So I was like, okay, thank you for the free money. I'm going to give that to charity. Well done. I didn't feel threatened by that, even though it's unsettling. You're talking mm -hmm. about a different kind of thing now, a different kind of a, a, of presence of anti-Semitism. And I guess my question before we take the break is, Hamas commits this horrifying terror attack. You're saying before there was an Israeli response, there was anti-Semitism, angry anti-Semitism aimed at Jews. What was being expressed? Why were people being angry after? It would be like being angry at Americans for having experienced 9-11. What, what was coming out? Was this an opening, a, a, a sort of a, a releasing of the waters behind the floodgates? What, what was happening? I'm not quite sure. I mean, we had um, a candlelight vigil on campus on the Tuesday after. And um, some of our students were walking, you know, with Israeli flags. And as they rounded a corner, a car, you know, someone in a car yelled out, terrorists. And then um, another group of students just kind of snickered and just kind of sneered. And that was just, just sort of surprising. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but I think maybe, you know, it, it could have been there. You know, it's been there for a while, I think. Yeah. And what we see with the sort of, with the sort of falling apart kind of of our civic society is that is the lessening of the influence of mainstream media as young people get um, their information from really polarized sources, you know, Instagram or mm, mm. whatever on the internet that um, this idea of common, a common knowledge, a common set of facts that everyone agrees with is sort of disintegrating. And it's, it's really scary. Um, and as we see the rise of the far left and the far right in our communities, uh, I think that, you know, Jewish experience is much more precarious. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, there was a, a survey which came out much after mm. October 7th, well, two months after, uh, came out from mid-December, which found that two-thirds of young people aged 18 to 24 believe that Jews as a class are oppressors and should be treated as such. Wow. So that's really scary. Um, and and that, that's what I think, you know, our, our students are feeling absolutely on campus. We Unfortunately, we have to take a break, but let's hold on to that because this inversion of morality and the rise of the fringes, I think, is a really important part of this experience of the rise in anti-Semitism. So we'll come back and talk about that after this break. 
So you're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe and my guest this evening, Sarah Koplik, Director of Hillel at UNM. And we'll be back after this break. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom here in Santa Fe. My guest this evening, Sarah Koplik, Director of Hillel at UNM. And Sarah's been talking about the experience of anti-Semitism, particularly towards Jewish students um, across uh, the university level. And, And before the break, you shared about this rise of the far left and the far right and this Um, loss of the common set of facts and people getting their information from very polarized sources. And I I, I too fear for this. I I, I was fascinated to see um, a a survey, a petition that went round many months ago that was addressing anti-Semitism. And it was created by some people who weren't Jewish. And it tried to explain anti-Semitism and said that that anti-Semitism, the real cause of anti-Semitism is white nationalism. Um, And I spoke to the people who, or some of the people who helped pass this petition round, and I said, you're missing a really important aspect of anti-Semitism, which is the anti-Semitism on the left as well. And they said there is no anti-Semitism on the left. How would you, you say, wow, how would you respond to that? Because I feel like what we're seeing now is is an extraordinary rise in violent, angry anti-Semitism from the left. What's your experience? Um, well, it, at the University of New Mexico, it's been all from the left. We haven't seen the anti-Semitism of the right, like in, in you know, Charlottesville. Mm. Um, you know, we don't have as much white nationalism, um, far-right extremist movements that that are in New Mexico. So, but we do, we do see it now on the left, but I think it's, it's weird, you know, in a sense, it's like we have a, a full, a spectrum, a political spectrum. That's almost a circle now. Right. Yes. So we see what's on the far left and the far right. And a lot of it, they can agree. Right. And so, so that's, that's, that's what I've, that's my experience. Um, but, but the, the left, the anti, the rise of anti-Semitism on the left in the university setting, that is the issue. That's the key issue. Right. And just to be clear that it is possible, appropriate, and uh, however you want to phrase it, it is possible to be critical of any government, including Israel. And there are many Jews, particularly on the left, who are very critical of the current Israeli government. Um, oh, absolutely. But, but that's different to anti-Semitism. For, so could you explain for those who aren't aware, what's the difference between expressing um, valid concerns about a country's foreign policy, like or Israel's foreign policy, sure. and, and anti-Semitism? What, where does one go into the other? So when calling for the end of the state of Israel would 
I would consider, and many, you know, according to International Holocaust Remembrance Association, would be considered um, an anti-Semitic statement mm. because um, we don't hear that from other about other conflicts in other places. For example, um, Xinjiang. What's happening in the Chinese province of Xinjiang is genocide. But nobody says, oh, that China should not exist anymore as a country because of what's happening. We don't hear that about Congo, about about Sudan, about countries with extremely worrisome human rights records. Mm. But we do hear that about Israel. And in that moment, we think, okay, that's the difference. That's the dual standard. That's the, di- that's the difference. That's where you hear the anti-Semitism. And also, I mean, when we look at the experience of what has happened in Gaza is horrendous. But there are crises all over the world, and there's not one voice is raised. Right. Um, you know, a million people died in northern Ethiopia two years ago. Does anybody know about that? Right. During the Civil War? No. Right. Um, and Bashir al-Assad and not killed... not one word is said. Right. Bashir al-Assad killed hundreds of thousands of Syrians. And uh, Saudi, uh, the, with between Saudi and Yemen, you know, hundreds right. of thousands of people. A million people right, right there. Hundreds of thousands of people. Over the last 10 years, over a million people died in, in these conflicts. Why isn't the UN going into full down meltdown mode? Why isn't it the front page of every newspaper? Why aren't people calling for you know, a boycott of those countries and so on. I wonder, I I have wondered, and I give a presentation on this. I've been going to different interfaith communities in Santa Fe, um, and it's, it's a free presentation that I give about a, a Jewish perspective on the current conflict and where some of it comes from. I do wonder if some of this, um, uh, the, the anger, the hatred that is poured out towards Israel as opposed and to, uh, towards the Jewish community, um, some of whom may have very different perspectives on Israel. Um, I wonder if it comes from the blood libel, and I do wonder if it comes from the idea of well, it's the as you said, this idea that two thirds of people think Jews are oppressors um, is so shocking. But I think when you base it in theology, oh, those Jews who killed God, there they are again killing other people. When, you know, October the 7th was where over a thousand Jews were killed and there's no condemnation. There's no, uh, you know, I do wonder if it, if it comes from, from that kind of almost background theology or, or historical perspective that's been underlying society. As you said, what was pushed down is now out. I wonder if it's, if it's that at all. You know, I think that's interesting. Um, you know, in the West, well, the blood libel came to the Middle East in 1840. Um, but what, I guess where the, you know, the Third Reich was really successful is that some of the ideas, some of this Nazi propaganda actually remained in the Middle East right. after World War II. And so there was this virulent anti-Semitic propaganda that has been maintained for, you know, the past 80 years right. in, in the Middle East. 
Um, and if you think about the experience of Mizrahi, of Arab Jews, of the destructions of their community and the widespread acceptance of old European anti-Semitic myths that are now, um, unfortunately, believed by the mm-hmm. vast you know, population throughout the Arab and Muslim world, I mean, that's a problem. Right. And, right. and I think part of it is, is that that's what we're seeing, unfortunately. Unfortunately, many Arab leaders for decades fed their citizenry hate, hate of Jews mm. over fixing problems, right. <laughs> over taking care of their people. And so the steady diet of hatred has a you know, long arm. I think you, you mentioned a very important thing in terms of the continuing values, because we see this in uh, statements from different leaders and groups across the Middle East that still are profoundly anti-Semitic. So I guess with we've only got about three minutes left. There will hopefully be a lot of people who are hearing this who are suddenly realizing how endangered, threatened Jewish students are. What can they do? What can everyone do to help lessen the impact of anti-Semitism on campus? Well, a lot of it, unfortunately, comes down to the leadership of the university. But uh, regular people can be upstanders. That's what we always want in situations of discrimination and hatred. We want those who are on the edge, who are just watching, to stand up and say, this is not acceptable. You can't say that. You can't do that. I will protect this person. I will stand up. That's what we all need. So if you hear something that's anti-Semitic, well, speak up and say, this is wrong. Um, I think that's really important. If, um, you know, if we have students in classes where professors are saying things that are just unacceptable, um, if they don't feel comfortable speaking up, at least taking good notes and letting somebody else in authority know what has happened, uh, making a report to the Office of Equal Opportunity, to the dean, um, certainly can reach out to me. Um, and saying that this is just not acceptable. And then, of course, we really have to work with campus administration to create um, an environment where rules are enforced, are known for both students and professors, and enforced, and that hate speech is not allowed, and that, um, and also more education about exactly what is anti-Semitism mm-hmm. and how it morphs, how it changes from a, a really an ancient ideas and, and yet it's still, res- unfortunately, resilient mm-hmm. in modern times. Like where, where are the triggers? How, do we, how can we recognize it? You know, our students even struggled with at first recognizing what was happening to them. And then only after they recognized it were they able to disclose it. So learning about those new shifts, about those, those words of, oh, genocide, mm-hmm. apartheid, mm-hmm. settler colonizer, all these things which just aren't true. Yep. I really I, I, I so appreciate this. I so appreciate this because 
because it's so easy to stand by and to let it happen and call, identifying it and calling it out. I really, I, I just really appreciate the work that you're doing and I appreciate you bringing this here this evening so that others can recognize the importance of, of calling out anti-Semitism and protecting everyone, including Jews, from discrimination. So, so Sarah Koplik, director of Hillel at UNM, thank you so much for coming on to our show. Oh, thank you, Rabbi Neil. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching.